0: Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you.
1: It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together.
1: Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years, there's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening, and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community, and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Megan Dolly. Megan is a virtual CFO. She's the author of the ebook, Getting Your Numbers Right, and the creator of Hiring for Profit. I said this in my live opening, and I guess I just feel like repeating it. So, Megan is the anti accountant whose superpowers begin where financial statements end. Now, that might not be the introduction that you'd expect for a guest that's coming on to talk about your firm's finances. But then again, Megan isn't just someone that talks about your firm's finances. One distinction that she makes, and we've heard this before, is that she says accountants look at the past and CFOs, which is what she is, they look to the future. She also talks about the stories that numbers tell and the things that give numbers meaning. So this wasn't your ordinary conversation about your firm's finances, I think in our backstage session, Catherine and I probably talked longer about our takeaways and, frankly, what we were inspired by than we have for many past guests, and that's 100% a testament to Megan's approach to finances. Megan is fun. I'm sure working with her is fun. How many people say that about their financial consultants? And this conversation was fun. As I mentioned, Catherine McPhail joined me for the conversation with Megan Dolly as well as backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and a podcaster now in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Megan Dolly, virtual CFO. The more I researched Megan and her work and her approach and, and uh, then in talking to her today, I really love her approach to... This this sounds crazy coming out of my mouth. I really love her approach to um, thinking about your firm's finances. My dad was an accountant, and I can't, (laughs) I I cannot ever imagine myself saying, "Oh, I think accounting sounds like it's a lot of fun."
2: Mm, Well, she makes it fun. It's more like visioning with accounting. I feel like.
1: Yeah, and and she, you know, she points it out right. Bookkeepers are looking at the history; they're looking at the past, and. And, um, what she's doing, what CFOs do is looking forward, um, uh, planning, I was going to say imagining, but planning a future based on, um, based on the realities of, of what you're doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. And also your goals and putting real numbers to your goals. Like if you actually want to go on a nice vacation, how much is that going to be? Where are you going to go? And how are you going to make the money? You know, so
1: it helps make win
2: and when when yeah how 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 long will you have to save or no she wouldn't even say save, which i actually appreciated she would say protect your money or Mm
1: -hmm.
2: like there's a different way that she was uh saying it also the when she was talking about jobs i mean every dollar has a job yes that looking at it in that way because of course that's true uh it's just a kind of a fun different way of looking at it kind of a fresh way Mm -hmm. of looking at it for me anyway yeah, I enjoyed talking to her.
1: Yeah, yeah, there were, I agree with that. I mean, she, I think there were, there were at least two, maybe three different mindsets, I'm going to call them. I'm not sure that's a, exactly the right term to use, but but that she talked about. One was what you were just talking about. Every dollar has a job. Another is a question that she uses, is what's this business capable of? Mm-hmm. And then she talks about the idea of um, of the dollars and the numbers telling a story and having and actually having meaning, you know, because of that story. And I, yeah, I, I think mindset is 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 what I want to use there because I think that's a completely different way of thinking about it than I've ever seen or heard. And it really resonates with me. You know, okay, well this this dollar goes to. Paying this consultant, this dollar goes to paying my taxes, and this dollar goes to paying me, and this dollar goes to uh, the profit account. And, and, um, yeah, there, there is, I really do. I, I, I love the point of view that she, uh, she brings to your, your finances.
2: Yeah. And the idea of using that exercise of if, this bad thing happens, what are 50 great things that will happen as a result of this bad thing happening? Because that totally takes the teeth out of the bad thing.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, so she's... then you can just
2: be kind of more casual about everything. Like, well, it could happen, or it could not happen. Obviously, you don't want it to happen. Right. But um, I I love that. So I'm definitely going to be using that for the rest of if I remember, hopefully. Sometimes naming the fear, right? Um, I was taught this
3: exercise by Aaron File. It happened like right before COVID became a thing. And thank goodness I learned this right before she did or before it hit, because I was trembling. Like what is going to happen to us? My husband's a teacher. That's fine. But he's a teacher in South Dakota. And how are we ever going to pay for a mortgage? Where are we going to do groceries? We're going to be destitute. And the exercise was to name 50 good things that would happen if the bad thing didn't happen. So, if I were to go bankrupt, what were 50 good things that would actually happen? And let me tell you, the first 10 were really hard to come up with. The next 10 were okay. And the next 30, like bang, bang, bang. My husband came home that day and I was like, we're going to declare bankruptcy and it's going to be awesome. And he said, what are you talking about? Granted, we never had to or anything, but but it was really good to like get me out of this wallowing, what if, what if, what if. I was safe I was fed. I had a roof over my head. I have a happy, healthy family. Like, I was so down in the dumps about what could be in the future. That wasn't even a reality yet that I needed something to shake me out of it. And it was fantastic. It was a really great exercise.
2: She said it was hard to think of at first, but then then they just start flowing.
1: Yeah, I, I could, I can imagine it's hard to think of. I mean, she used the example of you know when COVID started, and you know she, she and her husband, their their family started to worry about finances, you know, and what was going to happen. We were all kind of in this, in that boat of wondering what's you know what's going to happen, and and so she used the example of going bankrupt. You know, if well, if we went bankrupt, here's fifty positive things that would come out of that. And when she was, when when she was. Telling that story, I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's for me, that would be hard to come up with mm-hmm. a few things. Um, right. But she's using, using 50. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, when she was mentioning the uh the advantages of being homeless, like you if you could think about well, the good things about not having a house is that as she was saying, you might get a better house next time. Mm-hmm. You also wouldn't have so much stuff to pack. I mean, I just moved, that's not fun. So if you don't have all that stuff, you're a lot more free yeah. and not as tied down anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Persever you got choices. Dreams.
2: Yeah, you got choices and uh all all the possibilities of the whole world are right there. So anyway, I I love that I love that uh mindset and also she loves profit first so um and i love profit first so that's another another thing um yeah i just i I am interested in looking at her program hiring for profit also the hard the hard conversation she has to have with people about letting go of things that they think they should be doing but they can't really afford to be doing that is a hard thing to face
1: yeah i think I think that was a really important point, point. and again, maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting a lot of my own onto this, but I think there are a lot of us that that get hung up with or hung up on. Um, oh, I've 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 got to use this software, or I've got to have this, or I've got to do this in this way.
2: Um, got to have this fancy office.
1: Got to have this fancy office. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's. Now that you say that, that that triggers this thought that COVID probably changed a lot of these things. Right, a lot of us reassessed a lot of things. In that, oh, it's going to be three months turned into two years or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but I it it reminds me of when we talked with Aaron and Jake from Out of Architecture, we talked about the noun problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of us, or maybe just me that get hung up on i've got to do these things in these ways or have these things or you know whatever version of it because this is what i do and that's what's expected Mm
2: -hmm. you're not the only one
1: (laughs) i I didn't i didn't think so but maybe I'll, i'll always reserve that possibility but i i think um you know to your point i think that that's a really important thing that she's talking about is that when you're looking at this holistically, like she said, and you're looking at what it is that you want to accomplish, what what this business is capable of and what you want, why you do this thing, why um, why you are an architect, what you want that firm, that business to be able to do for you, that gives meaning to this is sort of bring it back full circle, I guess, but that gives meaning to these numbers that we're looking at. And that may tell us, hey, you need to let go of that fancy office if you want to be able to, you know, do this. If you want to be able to pay yourself this or do these types of projects for these clients or, you know, whatever it is, right? That's, it's all up to you. It's all of it's completely subjective. You know, num- numbers are meaningless until you, until you give them, give them meanings.
3: She was able to let go of all of the thi- all of the shoulds and the oppression of having it like predetermined for her what her business had to look like. And once we lifted the veil of you can go outside this box, it doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to just do more and more and more of the same to try to get ahead. Like once the oppression of what you should and people think you ought to do is gone, you get this Freedom to experiment with, well, what actually could be instead.
1: This gives me a whole different perspective on thinking about a lot of financial things.
2: Yeah, I kept thinking, you know, math kept coming up and how numbers are difficult and how I have this avoidance. I tend to avoid having to face really what's happening or figure it out. But then once I do, then I am actually enjoy it. But it's really actually not, I don't find it to be hard. So is it, but I think I should think it's hard, but then it just seems so simple that maybe am I missing something or am I just not as bad at it as I think? I think there are a lot of people like me maybe who just assume that it's hard, but it turns out it's not really hard. I mean, it's just, you have goals, they're going to cost a certain amount. You have to have these expenses and you have this income and you have to make it all work, see how it could work out. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, she mentioned the fact that we're always afraid that the train is coming.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think again that that resonates with me. I, I think that she she's obviously very empathetic. She understands the angst that we, we have uh, about the numbers. And you know, I, I think I think we're really good at procrastinating about things that we're afraid of.
2: Mm-hmm
1: um i had something earlier this week where i don't i don't very often go to go to bed uneasy because That's there nice. are unsolved things like unaddressed things i try to at least address things and have some understanding of okay well this this may not be good but i know what has to happen right and so the other night i was i was i was basically avoiding something that i was afraid of and, and that, you know, that be kicked off the avalanche of, of uncertainty and, and fear and everything else. And what I really should have done is just <laughs> probably gotten up out of bed, spent an hour or two or whatever, looking into this, you know, answering that, you know, marking this on the calendar, et cetera. And it would have been. Yeah. Solved. And actually, case in point, I'm not actually talking about accounting things, but case in point, I got up and the next morning, it took me about 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it wouldn't probably take you an hour or two to solve yeah, the problem. It took
1: me probably 15 minutes to put those things to rest. Is everything around that completed? No. But I got everything put into order, right? And, I, and the uncertainty is gone. I know this and that and you know, I was able to ask questions about that and get things solved. And I, to me, again personally, from the financial side, the accounting side, a lot of it is like that. It's like oh, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I'm avoiding it because I don't know. There's some difficult questions that need to be answered, and, and and I think it just snowballs to the point that we we become really good at at just procrastinating trying to avoid and mm-hmm. and it, it it never gets any better.
2: No. And actually it isn't as scary as you imagine it to be. Whatever it is, that no. train coming down on you like she said.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, back to that exercise you were talking about and the example she used was was bankruptcy which you know, hopefully none of us um, I know some of us have gone through that, but hopefully none of us have to go through that in in our business lives, but here's 50 positive things that could come out of, out of, uh, having to declare bankruptcy. That's, that's gotta be a powerful exercise. Yeah. Um, Let's not take it to that extreme if we don't have to, but you know, it's gotta be a powerful exercise.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love it. Not because I always like to look at the worst case. I do. I know what I admit. I do like to look at the worst case scenario because then it's really not that bad. Like if, I think we've talked about this before on this podcast like if you looked at what's the worst thing that can happen and then how do you deal with that worst thing then it really turns out to be manageable for the most part so that's what it's all about i think just the our imagination makes things seem way worse than they are
1: that that exercise obviously is is flipping that around right what's the worst that could happen what's the best that could happen um you know when when megan is asking what do you really want to get out of this What what can your business really accomplish When we ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? I think what we're, and I'm, you know, I am not a psychiatrist. Uh, I'm fascinated by neuroscience and I studied that a little bit related to marketing and business development, but I'm not an expert on any of this. But I think what that is actually doing is empowering us to be able to make decisions, which is... I guess at the heart of what Megan is talking about, okay? If Mm -hmm. you understand your cash flow and your expenses, then you're empowered to make decisions about how to, how to spend the cash, I guess, you know, is one way to look at it or empowered to make decisions to say, okay, I know now what kind of cuts I need to make Mm -hmm. or okay, I know what I need to do in order to be able to afford to hire a bookkeeper or a virtual CFO or a drafts person or a whatever.
2: Right. And not just, just keep making your business bigger and bigger and bigger. And for what? Like, what is your goal? Yeah. So I like that. Someone at the end made a comment that said that she broke, that Megan broke things down and made them simple, which is true. I mean – it did seem much more approachable or the idea of, of hiring a virtual CFO would have been kind of overwhelming and like, Oh, they're just going to laugh at me when she said that it was like taking your clothes off in public or in front of someone that you don't know. It was like, yeah, that's kind of the way I that's about as excited. Yeah. That's about why I feel about that. Like I don't, <laughs> I, yeah. And then she said, she made people cry a lot of the time. So that made me feel better too. So it's not like, um, you know, Whatever our fears are about having a virtual CFO, look at our stuff. It's not that bad. Or it's bad. It's bad enough that other people cry as well. I don't know. I don't know why there's comfort in that.
1: I totally get what she's saying too, though. You know, it's like, I i don't think I would want anybody to look at my books. I mean, there's there's nothing illegal or, you know, anything in my books. But i I think there are, I would probably... Be a little bit ashamed of the, you know, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of expenses that don't need to be there. And there probably is not as much cash as should be there. You know, all those things.
2: But the thing is, like, I love about Profit First and also about what she was saying is she was talking about, like, personal goals that you have. So it's not always talking about putting the money back in your business. It just makes it feel like this hamster wheel. Like, what are you actually looking forward to that you can then plan to protect that money for for later? So you can do that thing that you want to do. So which kind of is the point of why we're working, right? So to do some fun things sometimes, like pay our bills and everything, but then have a celebration of some kind or get a car that you really have saved up for or whatever it is, you know, so it's not all about um, just putting your profit back into your business. And I think he's pretty clear about that. It should be something that you can enjoy your profit
1: yeah I think I think that's a good point I mean you just you were just talking about that the person that commented that she makes it simple and I think it's maybe it is making it simple but I I think it's making it personal Mm -hmm. um you know it's and and I think when it's again you know from my point of view when you make these numbers when you when you give these numbers meaning or when I give these numbers meaning I guess would be the the actual way this should work when i give these numbers meaning they mean something to me that does make it easier it does make it easier for me to make decisions um i just pulled up her her uh, website megan's website which is megandolly.com m e g a n d a h l e.com and um i i pulled it up because i couldn't remember what her tagline but i was but i knew that i liked it so her website says, "Get control of your numbers, so you can be in control of your business." And I think I think that's a great summary of um, uh, of what she talked about, really, And you know, and what we're trying to do here. Let's let's get control of it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that's the thing that people are most afraid of with their businesses: is people judging them on how they're running their lives or their business. You know, maybe it has to do with like a parental reaction, or you feel like your one of your parents is going to say something like, "Did you really need to buy those shoes?" or whatever it is. Like, you know, whatever it is that you bought or you wanted because you wanted it to make yourself happier, or whatever. There's people are going to judge you about that, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
1: Well, we talked about that a little bit on Clubhouse this morning. I, I mentioned the fact that. You know, we we as a, a team, as a context and clarity team, we've talked about finding people to come on and talk about money mindsets, um, because that's that, that's something that we we all have. No matter what, we all have some sort of mindset that we learned from our parents, from whatever. Right over the course of our lives, we've developed these mindsets and. And so I think Megan, uh, with without without getting too much into the psychology area, Megan really starts to to help frame these mindsets. I think by focusing on you know what's important to you, what matters to you, why are you doing this, those types of things, and then uh, I think it's in about six weeks or so we're going to talk to Joyce Martyr. Uh, who does have a background in in finance and in um psychology and we're really gonna get into you know the the mental the the um the mindset part of dealing with your finances so I think this was for me at least i think this was a great first step into not only getting a handle you know i i I kind of shaped it that way you know, as a topic this week of getting a handle on your firm's finances. But, but really before that, getting a handle on what you want to accomplish. And then, you know, maybe Megan's giving you the the permission then, you know, by answering these questions, then you, you have permission to make these decisions. I think it was powerful.
2: It was powerful. And, uh, it seems like a CFO would be scary. You know, a virtual CFO would be kind of scary, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, but she's very approachable and funny oh, yeah. and smart and kind and everything. So, like you said this morning, she's very, she, she, Megan herself makes it, it makes it seem okay. Like I would feel okay telling my, my, you know, I would, I would be okay showing my books to her, I guess, even though I'd be initially maybe embarrassed to do that. I also, it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, when, Christian was asking about what do we have to do to get ready to hire a a virtual CFO? I liked her answer there, like figure out what is your objective for hiring one. And then maybe it's not even you don't need one. But if you how much would whatever solution someone can give you, what is that worth to you so that you have it in your mind and people don't you don't get talked into anything that you're not going to be able to afford, I guess. Why would you want to hire a CFO? That's the first question. Like, what is the
3: outcome that you want out of it? And have that, like, articulate that outcome. And when you are talking to virtual CFOs, like, this is my primary reason why I'd like to hire you. Is this a result that that you can help me with? And is that ROI worth it, right? They're going to name a price for you. Um, It might be less than you are imagining, you need to know ahead of time what it is worth to you so that you're not talked into anything necessarily that you might not need or that the outcome that you're looking for would actually be better served by a bookkeeper or your outcome would actually be better served by an executive coach or an executive assistant or that type of thing. That's what you're looking for.
1: I thought that was sort of a microcosm of the, or that answer was sort of a microcosm of the the whole conversation is, you know, what what is it you're trying to do here? And, and then how do we, which, which is a, you know, that's a, that's a pretty foundational, um, strategy of any type, um, uh, beginning. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a great point. It's what do you want to get out of this and, and kind of plant that flag.
2: That's kind of like her whole message across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what are you trying to get out of maybe your life or your business or these things you habitually pay for you, do you really need them? Like what's the ultimate objective? And do these things fit that?
1: I think that's the power of it. And I I mentioned as we were talking, uh, on context and clarity live that I had, I was listening this morning to another podcast that she was on. I was inspired by, by, um, a podcast I was listening to this morning where they were talking about subscriptions, they're talking about cash flow and expenses is really what it was and um, ultimately leading to profitability or lack thereof. And as as I was listening to this and walking, I thought, well, you know, here, here's a list of subscriptions to software that I have. And here's what I thought I was going to get out of this. Or what I was going to do with it, and I'm not right. That that return on investment was going to be oh I can do this or I can do that or you know hey if I do this um, you know it'll I don't know what's an example I, I can send out emails and that's going to find me a one client a month or you know something. Well guess what you're not using that, and you're paying a lot of money for that every month, and so they inspired me to cancel two subscriptions today i actually took action on what i heard
2: well i'm proud of you on that one jeff okay. i my problem with the subscriptions is that they are not very much money so maybe it's like oh it's only twelve dollars but it turns out it's actually 15 or it's gone up to like 18 whatever it's but it's like it's only 18 dollars. So that's like um you know lunch out
1: it's only 40 dollars, or it's only this but that's $40 less expense that's going out, which gives me $40 to give a job to, to use to use Megan's uh, term. So that could be $40 to go to profit. It could be $40 to go to my salary. It could be $40 to go to some charity that we support through our business. Whatever, right? You get to decide what the jobs are. One of the things I've heard Megan say is she loves for her clients to cancel their credit cards or or get a new credit card every six months. Mm. Because we lose track of our subscriptions and our, our recurring costs. So when you oh, when yeah. you do that, everybody right, the next month, everybody's gonna say, Hey, you need to update your credit card um information. That
2: is true. That is true.
1: I've I've heard other Should people do, say that, yeah. and I've never done it, but I think it's it's brilliant. I, I've never done it on purpose. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm about to hit that because I got a, a new card in the mail that I have to activate, so it's going to happen, right? But, um, but I think at that point you can go through and say, okay, do I need this or do I not need this?
2: It's all exciting because you can kind of rearrange what you're doing to meet your goals, and you know I'm, I'm big on goals, so. No, mm-hmm. oh, I thought it was pretty inspiring conversation.
1: If anybody had asked me three days ago or or two weeks ago how long we would sit and talk backstage about a conversation about our firm's finances, I would not have guessed. You know, we're we're almost at forty minutes at this point. I would not have guessed that we would have been this passionate, this inspired by a conversation about our firm's finances. Um, so that's that's a real testament to, to Megan and, and her approach. Megan will also be a speaker at the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, which if you have not heard about that, it's the first ever live conference just for entrepreneurial small firm architects coming up November 1st through 3rd in Austin, Texas. Go to entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting for more information about that. Megan will be one of the speakers at that event. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening to us uh, sort of gush over this, this conversation. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context & Clarity live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context & Clarity live episodes. And if you want more of the Context & Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of context and clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at GableMedia.com. That's G A B L Media.com. And one last thing before you go if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations and we take topics like this and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my
3: family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects.